Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And this show was presented by, as always, Mercury Mile. So spring is here and it's time to freshen up your running gear. Mercury Mile has everything you'll need to look and feel great as the weather turns warmer. Every run is an experience and they want your shopping for running gear to be an experience as well. They partner with just the best brands out there. And not only are they great high quality stuff, but they're just great people to work with. One of them, for example, is John G. It's a boutique running brand that makes bold, high quality running apparel and donates 5% of their proceeds to fund clean water projects in countries all around the world who can't get behind something like that. And it just takes three easy steps. Go to mercurymile.com. Set up your preferences and your sizes, and they'll send you out a curated box of running goodies and apparel. You keep what you love. You send back what you don't. Just put it right back in a, a small little uh, like folder, and you just pop it right back in the mail. Boom. Done. So simple, so easy, and so affordable. Check it out, mercurymile.com. So today's episode is with my good friend and repeat guest, Laura Pierce. So Laura has been on the show Three previous times. Two of them have been uh, for our running stories, uh, funny running stories podcast. So that we have funny running stories part one and part two. Also, side note, funny running stories part three coming out soon with co-host extraordinaire Colleen Quigley. So I'm super excited about that. But back to Laura. So she did two of those episodes and also came on about a year ago to do exit uh, to do exit to episode number 52. So. I would definitely check that out because that kind of sets the stage for this episode. It doesn't have to be in chronological order. If you listen to this one first, no big deal, but you'll want to want to check out that one as well because Laura is just a font of enthusiasm, um, just really critical thinking. She, you know, she's she's just a very smart, intelligent, and funny person that I relish the opportunity to talk to whenever I can. In this episode, we talk a lot about what she's gone through the past year and a half. Some highs and some lows, um, both physically, mentally, and emotionally. I'm not going to give up the ghost in terms of exactly what she says, but I do want to say that it touches on a lot of topics that affect a lot of people, and I know that you'll get a lot from this episode. So, here is my episode with Laura Pierce. Hey, Laura, and welcome back to the Rambling Runner podcast. Hey, Matt. How are you? I'm doing good. So I'm I'm just surprised at this point, considering you've been the most frequent guest in a couple of different capacities, that you just don't take over the account at some point and just start, hey, I'm the host now. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> got the intro done. Yeah, I got like yeah, you you've you've been onboarded and now you're just taking over. It it's you know, I should have a while ago. I should have conquested the whole podcast, but I just I enjoy listening to you a little bit more than myself. So I figured I'd just let you have it. Maybe we can do. We can start like the the Rambling Runner Podcast Network. That could work. We have like you, you know spinoffs. It'll be super fun. Yeah, you 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 could have a spin if you had if you had your own. And I'm just like throwing this at you. I didn't prepare you for this at all. I literally <laughs> didn't even have this question on my sheet of questions. If you had your own, what would it be? Would there be like a funny topic, or what would be? Because you're like you're a humorous person anyway. Oh but. gosh, I feel like it would be a little bit of everything, um, which is pretty. Uh, in tune with my personality um it would just kind of depend on what mood i'm in but it would definitely be running related and with a little mental health and um definitely some humor in there too mostly self-deprecating so i have a so i have a name for said podcast oh no (laughs) i feel like just just see people like you like you you like you get to know people really quick i do and and like and it's so funny because like all of a sudden like you're just like you. And I think Stephanie Flippin's the same mm-hmm. way. You like just get to know people really quick. I feel like like the title would be like the inside joke with Laura. Pierce. Oh my gosh, I love that. Uh, Can I steal that? You got it. You got it. that's all yours. That's all yours. Um, I'm gonna have like a finder's fee attached. I'll send you the paperwork later. But yeah, I think that could work. I love it. All right, perfect. It's it's settled. <laughs> all right, or the I just kicked butt. At the Rock CF Half Marathon with Laura Pierce. I also like that. 
because you did it, man. Because you had you kill you kicked butt this weekend. I was so excited for oh, you. A you. lot of people were excited to see you, um, you know, from afar run this weekend because you know just you're just such a fun person to follow oh. in the running community. And I know, I know, I'm getting all cheesy with you, but it's but hey, you kicked butt this weekend. It was a, it was a long time coming because as we'll dive in, you've been training so well and so consistently well mm-hmm. for a while. Yes. And like a lot of people, you know, you're, you're just not one of those folks who just races all the time. Right. So it's not as if like, practice, you know, workout and practice fitness is all of a sudden always indicative by what you've been able to do in races. You're absolutely right. Um, I just, I don't get the chance to race often and it, there isn't a very great local race scene here in Michigan, um, which isn't to slam any local races that we do have. It's just, there aren't a lot. So my opportunities are pretty limited. Right. So you, and you, you've been going all over, you know, you've, you've run Boston and mm-hmm. stuff like that, but I want to touch base since you've been on this podcast before. So we've done the funny episodes podcast, which have been great. We've also had podcasts with you just talking about your running life. I think it was episode 52. So if someone wants to, to, to go back and listen to that, it was a very popular episode, one of the most popular that we've ever had here. So I would definitely advise people to check it out. And I don't want to dive too much into that, but right around that time, I guess in retrospect, you've been able to put words to this. Um, but how were you feeling looking back on end of 2017, early 2018, kind of what was going on with you from a training and a racing standpoint? Um, just to kind of set the groundwork for, um, you know, the past 12 months or so yeah. of the training cycle. Um, I, the early, early 2018, I was training for my first Boston Marathon. Um, I really poured my heart and soul into it. And I was also self-coaching at the time. And I have no qualms about saying that I probably took training a little too seriously and really wasn't approaching it from that healthy of a a mental standpoint. Um, So, you know, we all know how Boston went. Um, I was in really, really great shape heading into it, but I just was really no match for the elements. And I don't think I did enough hill work to tell you the truth. Uh, Newton kind of ate me up alive. Uh, But after, after Boston, um, I, I hired a coach. Um, I'm with uh, Heather McCurdy who I think a lot of people know through McCurdy trained and um, you know, from like a a more serious standpoint, but I'm not ashamed of it. uh, I started getting therapy for my anxiety and uh, depression. So that was a big step for me. And I'm able to, you know, look at running more so as uh, you know, something healthy and also just a physical activity that I don't have to like use it to prove that I am, you know, good enough or a good person or to make up for anything else in the rest of my life. It's just a fun activity now. And I can say like with truthfulness, like it's just running and that's great. Right. As opposed to just saying that is a way to like convince yourself. Exactly. Um, It's a, it's a good place to be in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, actually one of our friends, Jessica Hadley, um, who Instagram is just yeah. um, wrote a, a, you know, just a quick post about this the other day, um, you know, kind of, uh, talking about the exact same race and her experience and how she's in a very different place now, uh, from a running perspective, not in terms of her athletic ability or fitness, but just her mindset. So when you go back, you use the words, uh, you were training too seriously, yeah. um, at the end of 2017, which you had. You had a marathon, then quickly thereafter did a half marathon, and then bumped right into a serious training cycle for Boston. Mm -hmm. When you say training too seriously, what exactly do you mean by that? I was self-coaching, and there is so much of a difference between what I was doing um, during self-coaching and what Heather has me doing now. And I was running five days a week, and I was running three workouts in those five days and only two days for recovery. And I was cross training a lot and I was doing a lot of strength training. I was basically trying to do absolutely everything. And I was. But luckily, you don't have a family or a job. <laughs> no, none of that. So you're able to just spend all the time exactly. on, these wor- on these workouts. Yeah, no, none of that. None of that. <laughs> no, I have a full time job. I have a family. Like, 
I don't even know how I like handled all of it, to be honest. Um, I think just the sheer excitement and adrenaline of running my first Boston marathon, like pushed me through everything, but it just, um, I, I, I hesitate to say overtrained. I perhaps was a little bit. I don't think it affected me at Boston. Like once again, we all know what the weather was like and there just there were other factors into play that it didn't really matter how good good of shape you were in. That said, I think that And like and you were and you were shooting for like a 320, you ran a 325 yes. and considering the weather, you were right on it yeah. from a goal perspective. Yeah, I think I think considering everything, like the amount of endurance and strength that I gained through that training cycle helped me endure the weather. Um, but I was pretty disappointed. Um, it was, I was very torn for a while. Like I looked back on it and I was like, you made it. You, you didn't like, I didn't walk anything, which there's no big deal in walking. Cause it was a really, really tough day. But, um, you know, I spent a lot of time, you know, belittling myself for not pushing harder and also being proud of myself for the effort. And about that time is when I was like, you got to stop. And I went to therapy. Yeah, that's quite a, quite like a paradox to have in your head at the same time. It is. It's incredibly, um, gosh, what's, what's the right way to say this? Like it, it just consumes you because you can't make up your mind. You're stuck in, you're stuck in the past and it, it doesn't help you. There's, there's nothing you can do. So for me, therapy was integral and just helping me sort everything out. Now, when you were going through your ramp up for Boston, were you on some level aware of kind of how you were feeling mentally, emotionally and physically leading up to that? Or were you able to kind of detach yourself from those feelings and then kind of realize them later on in the spring? I think I was always somewhat aware and I did my best to just like kind of push it down as far down as possible. Um, it wasn't until after Boston where it was just this giant question mark of what's next. Um, I remember I was like contingency planning marathons the night of, um, Boston. And I actually was out to drinks with, um, Mel, Melissa Becker, uh, James McCurdy and Heather McCurdy and our friend Kat. And, Heather was like talking me out of like signing up for like, you know, another chance like marathon because it was like, you've done enough, like settle down. Your body has been through plenty. Dude, you had just done that same thing in the fall. (laughs) I know. Right. I mean, you went from Marine Corps to two weeks later, you ran a half. I know. So do you see now like why it was just so important for me to address the mental health and to, you know, get help there. Right. Did, was some of that a defense mechanism by like you know by by searching for a race before your goal race literally 12 hours before the start yeah do you think that some of that is to say like hey now if tomorrow doesn't go well i can just reframe it as like hey i'm just getting ready for the next one um, like did it like ease the pressure no no that was the night after boston oh the so, night after yeah, i apologize so okay. it had just oh no you're good um, so that was, yeah, after the race and I was just disappointed, but also, you know, still kind of proud. Cause yeah, I just finished the Boston marathon. How freaking badass is that? Uh, but it was, yeah, still kind of like, Oh wait, I want to go and do this and this. And we all know I get a little marathon happy, but, um, 2018, I definitely calmed it down and I only did two marathons as opposed to five in 2017. So, you know, you could say I'm growing up. It's very exciting. <laughs> And then you, you sought therapy after that. Yes. Um, when, you, when you decided to do that, did you have, I guess, I guess before you met with your therapist, did you have like some sort of research that you did before to kind of like either self-diagnose or kind of get a handle on what you think was the issue? Or do you just go in completely open-minded and just say, hey, something's amiss here? Um, a little bit of research, but I mean, I think, I think if you... I think I was just, I was pretty aware of, of what was happening after Boston. Like I just was caught up in a loop of just 
I call them like kind of like doom spirals um, is what I would call my my anxiety episodes where it's not so much like manic. Um, it's more like I'm frozen and it's just like it's hard to to get out of it. Um, and it can happen at any time. Uh, it's it's just a it, it's a bizarre um, experience and it's almost out of body and. I knew I just needed help. Um, Yeah. And do you feel like, can you, now that you have, you know, know, almost a year now of, of therapy Mm -hmm. to reflect on, can you kind of predict when those moments are going to happen? Yeah. Um, It's, it's kind of scary that you can, I can tell when I'm, you know, having kind of off days. And for me, it's really important to just, do like, I don't want to say little things because I don't necessarily feel like I do a lot of little things. I have a busy job. I have a family and then there's all the training. Um, but it's more so recognizing, okay, it's just one thing at a time. Do not try to multitask. It's not efficient for you. You get overwhelmed easily. It's about acknowledging where your strengths are. And also the most important thing, and I still am struggling with it at at times but it's you just have to give yourself grace you have to know that it's a it's a bad day and you just you ride the wave and you let the bad day happen and then you get on to the next and hopefully it's better right and when you started getting you know we're able to kind of put words to feelings and then starting to have the Kind of the, the introspection and the self-awareness to, to, to identify those periods as, as what they actually are. Um, were you able to then look back on other parts of your life and go like, Oh yeah, that was the issue. Like I was putting the blame here or I was just like, Oh, I'm just out of it or I'm just tired. But, but you can now you can look back with clarity and go, this was actually what was going on, even though I might've misplaced uh, the blame necessarily. Oh, completely. Um, there's just, multiple areas of of my life and I'm sure others can relate where you know that your mental health is probably affecting the situation um that said like you know it's important for everybody to you know be sensitive towards you know people that do suffer from any mental health issues because it's sometimes it's just hard to articulate feelings and it looks like somebody is being cold or detached when really they just don't know how to explain what's going on. Right. And you talked about the anxiety piece. How does the the depression side manifest itself for you? For me, um, recently, and I, I don't necessarily have it anymore, but postpartum depression was a huge factor in my life for a good couple of years. Um, and I think now it it has just kind of translated over into still feeling and and I I have no issues admitting this. I still, you know, have those feelings of extreme inadequacy as a mother. Um it's hard. It's hard for some some women. I don't I hope I'm not the only one who feels like this, and I'm sure I'm not, but um it's just for me it's a really hard role and you I just hope I'm doing, you know, the kid right. I don't, he seems happy. (laughs) Um, He's, he's a great kid. I, I just, it's a really difficult role for me and getting PPD did not help things at all. And in the slightest. Right. And also with the idea of like, you never, like you, you look at short term, like, you know, did what I had, like whatever was going on in the house, did that have any short-term effect or like, you know, are they acting any different? But then you also can obsess on the long-term, which is like, you know, like, like there's no answer to that question, right? Cause right. you can just sit there and worry about that all day and you're never going to know until like 10 years later. I know. I know. Like, honestly, at this point, there's, there's nothing I can do. He seems happy and we just go, it's, it's a day by day thing. He's three years old and he's a monster and I love him to pieces. Yeah. So, and you and I have talked, um, you know, privately about, about this for me and, you know, I'm, I'm seeing a therapist now uh, for depression Mm -hmm. and that's something that, 
probably was a long time coming for me. Um, now I, I can now like, I, like the same question I asked you, I basically asked you that because I've had, I'm looking at the same thing right. where now I can look back on my life and be like, Oh, I like was pointing the finger at other people or like, I was just being too self-critical or I was like, Oh, I'm just tired. And like, certainly maybe I was tired, but like, this is what actually was going on. I was going through a depression spell and, yes. and so on and so forth. And, and it does provide clarity with that clarity. However, comes this other bout of like new guilt of like all right now i have to put this on my partner like they didn't sign up for this i know so like i sit here and i'm talking openly to you but like i also feel at the same time like i also want to hide it not because i'm ashamed because it's like oh now like i have to like now it's another thing that my wife has to like think about yeah is like oh how's matt doing now i have to like not only worry about two kids but now i have to worry about a 37 year old man (laughs) um actually i didn't know your age until i was listening to uh tam's podcast today and you guys were talking about being 37 so i was like oh hey there's that uh i know it's nice to be middle-aged with another friend i'm just kidding tam i'm just kidding um but yeah no that's you've hit it like right on the head it's uh it's just another thing right like the our poor spouses like i i i feel for him i really do um it's it's just like i wasn't already like probably high maintenance enough with you know having a full-time busy job and all the training and then it's just like oh, you have this too. So, I mean, he puts up with a lot and I'm grateful. <laughs> so this isn't, this isn't necessarily a mental health show. So I'm not going to like try to espouse, you know, like my, my, my hard earned knowledge on anything, you know, you know, in this realm with, with that being said, I did, I do appreciate you being open and honest with, with this because first of all, you didn't have to be. And second of all, I know a lot of people, me included, are kind of trying to, you know, go, you know tread through these waters mm-hmm. and it can be choppy at times for sure, especially if you don't know what you're doing. Um, and with that being said, and this is something new to me is connecting the mental health stuff to the physical mm-hmm. and trying to understand a causational, a correlational relationship between the two, usually from a negative perspective, but have you been able to, as say you know, the last 12 months have progressed, really identify like, Hey, if I'm feeling X either positively or negatively, that there might be some sort of relationship with how, you know, you're doing from a running perspective. Mine is really, yeah. Mine, I would say my performance is really uh, fear-based. Um, if I was associating a lot of fear going into a workout I was suffering and it's that mental state before where you just allow the fear to consume you looking at a pace or looking at, um, a certain like, you know, mileage set. Um, that's where like the mental and physical health wasn't matching up. And it took me a lot of time to get to this cycle in particular where I stopped approaching things with a lot of fear and I turned the fear into, I, I, it sounds like really dramatic, but more like raw power um, to just kind of transform it um, into, into speed. Um, I I worked really hard to get to this point and it wasn't overnight at all. I would say this is the first training cycle um, where I was finally able to realize it. And when you talk about the fear, what was not like why did you fear fear why did you feel fearful but like where where did that live in you like was it it, did it live inside expectation or what about the workouts especially the more difficult ones which Mm -hmm. you know bless her heart heather (laughs) i know heather (laughs) prescribes pretty difficult ones um what about what about those workouts you know caused that kind of response beyond just your your own your own emotional um dna so I think it's two things. Um, one, it, it still stems back to a little bit of feeling um, undeserving or inadequate. And two, just almost like disbelief of um, like being assigned a certain pace. Like I can remember uh, Heather gave me like 
mile, I can't remember the workout exactly, but it was mile, I think it was mile repeats at like 610 pace or something like that. And I texted her and I was like, Heather, I don't think I'm ready for this yet. And she, she said something and and we'll probably get into it later, but she was like, Laura, you have to start believing that this is the runner you are. And it really stuck with me because that is the biggest benefit of having a coach is having somebody who believes in you and believes in you more than you believe in yourself at the moment and is patient with you as far as having your belief catch up to theirs. Um, the fear for me would always kind of manifest, you know, almost like an, an anxiety attack kind of in my chest. And then it would just kind of like spiral up from there. And so for me, it's always about breathing techniques and just making sure I can calm myself down before heading out for a run um, and trying to turn around any like, you know, bad mental vibes that are happening. And it's not always easy. and I don't always succeed, but, but I'm at least trying now. And that's a really good place to be. So after Boston, after you'd basically put in, shoot, a year, year and a half straight of working extremely hard mm-hmm. for a lot of different races, what did the recovery period for you look post-Boston? Um, it wasn't great. I kind of, I still, I took a full week off. Wow. A whole week? I know. A whole week, guys. Look at me. That's why I'm saying it was not great. It was was just really, I was a terrible example. Um, I know a lot of people know me from Instagram and just, I was, I'll just say it right now. What I did for the Boston recovery was a really poor example. So it is what it is. Um, It's not how I would behave now. Uh, I took a week off and then I basically just dived back in because I was still kind of in denial and self-punishment mode before I, you know, really started therapy. Um, I ran a sub 25 K my one and only, it was painful. (laughs) So painful. I do not, I do not like five Ks. And then I had these really lost this, the first, lofty you know goal slash attempt at going sub uh sub 90 in the half marathon and that's about when I started therapy because the idea of just jumping into it and I knew I wasn't physically ready just terrified the hell out of me and that's when I was like you you you're going just down a dark path here like you've got to get help and so I just didn't do the marathon or the half marathon. I skipped it. It was my only DNS. Um, and I'm okay with that. It was the right call. It was, um, the right thing to do to, um, step out of it and not put myself through that. Even if I wouldn't have succeeded, it was just, I was mentally exhausted and I hadn't given myself the proper recovery. Um, And so right after that is when I started therapy and when I uh, signed up with Heather and we got to work Um, and it was really beneficial to have, you know, therapy and coaching, you know, they, while they weren't working together, they were working side by side unknowingly. And I was really benefiting mentally from both because I was finally able to, not make my own plan running and not stress over it and not obsess. And I just did what somebody else told me to do. And it was great. And I love it still to this day. Coaching is the the best thing I could have done for myself and for my running. Yeah. Delegating that responsibility is so huge. You know what I mean? Yes. In terms of like coming up with the plan, that's a big one for me. I know and I, you, you, you mentioned it as well just there. Also, I think it's a great accountability mechanism. This doesn't seem to be a big issue for you. You almost go the other way yeah. where like you hold yourself too accountable to the plan. But I know for some people it's like, Oh, I can just cut that race or that nut race, but I can cut that workout short. You know, I literally no one will know. It's like why 99.9% of people drop out of those like massive free online uh, courses. Cause it's like, no one knows you're even in it. It's free. You have no skin in the game. And this Friday night, instead of doing a turn paper, you're like, I'm going. Out. Exactly. No, you're, you're right about me. Like I'm always, 
I, I like to call myself like a distance junkie. Just give me give me more miles, not necessarily more like soul crushing workouts, but give me more miles. I'll do them. I fret about missing a workout still just because it's fun now. It really is for me. It's it's really cool to be in this place where I'm not using a workout to necessarily prove myself to myself, which is a you know really unhealthy place to be in. Um, but it's a really cool way to, you know, prove myself to my fitness. And that is really cool. And when you started with Heather, you just described where you were mentally, physically, and emotionally. Did you have, I mean, you already had a pre-existing relationship with her. So maybe mm-hmm. not, but I'm not going to answer my own question. <laughs> so, so did you have any of those initial feelings of, I want to prove to my new coach what I'm capable of, or are you able, or are you at the point at, you know, from a mentality standpoint where you had just kind of like, you know, submitted and you're like, I'm done, just whatever. Um, like, I would say like she, she and I had a pre-existing relationship. So she was pretty aware of, you know, my fitness and honestly, like I was ready to just do what she told me to. Um, I needed to not think about it for a really long time. I needed to put the past races behind me and it wasn't going to be a clean slate because I don't believe that fitness works like that. Um, I have cycles upon cycles that have built on each other and my, you know, cycle from, you know, spring 2017, you know, lends to where I'm at now because the fitness has kept gaining. Um, But I just, I just needed to, you know, kind of, like you said, submit myself to it. I was ready to just shut my brain off for a long time. And besides delegating the responsibility of coming up with the plan and, um, you know, kind of owning the entire situation, what besides that was different about your training under Heather than when you were training yourself? The bulk of my miles were easy, which was a huge shock to me um, coming from five days running with three workouts in those five days. Uh, So I was doing like, I think I peaked at 70 miles a week for Indy and I'd have to go back and look at it, but I want to say like 70% of that was easy mileage. Um, it was about building endurance and then, you know, building the marathon pace and within that. And I mean, that was a huge change for me because it was kind of weird to just be running the bulk of, I mean, last summer was brutal. So we, we all know how hot and humid it was. Um, my easy miles were like nine twenty to nine thirty paced and my marathon pace ended up being two minutes faster than that for Indy. Um, and that your marathon pace. Yeah. And oftentimes we talk about easy pace being two minutes slower than your five K pace. Yeah. Which is like this, and and you still do it now. Your easy paces are still like high eights, low nines, and you just ran a you know a a one twenty seven half marathon. It's it's incredible. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Like you said earlier, it was a long time coming. Uh, But yeah, that was the the biggest change was um, so many easy miles. I wasn't like used to it at all. And it took me a while to, you know, get on board with it. It wasn't like I was going, going to go out and do any of my own workouts. It was just, you know, learning to appreciate the, the workouts that I had because I only had two a week and, you know, making sure that I kicked ass in those. Right. And when you're doing those easy miles, when you, you know, when you started doing them at that pace, what were your conversations like either like with yourself or with Heather about like, you know, how can this possibly be worthwhile if it's so much slower than I want to run slash like, I don't know. I don't know how you feel. Like I hate running that slow. It's just <laughs> not as fun. Uh, I mean, if you're running, like we run super early in the morning, most of the time. So when you're running at like 5am, like it's just, it's, you know, you're not completely warmed up when you start. So running slower is a little bit easier as opposed to like a lunchtime run. Mm-hmm. But I, I just prefer to run faster, even though I know I shouldn't. It wasn't really hard to run slow last summer, just considering how hot and humid it was. 
Um, but actually to, it's really funny to bring this up because it kind of comes full circle. But the last time I was on the podcast, when we, you know, did like an interview about me, um, you had brought up a friend in college who was like, uh, you know, you had pointed out that he was never alone. And we were having like a, a conversation about being um, introverted. And this person was with friends all the time, or always was listening to music and always had headphones. And so when I started therapy, um, you know, that, that podcast, uh, you know, and your words really like, you know, stuck with me. And so I realized that I could, you know, start using my easy runs as, you know, times to be alone. And so for me, I, you know, started using that alone time and really like sorting through my thoughts with no music. Um, and I think from a mental standpoint of, you know, how it relates back to your physical health, those moments really started to strengthen me. Um, and so the slow, the slowness, which is, you know, as a reminder for everybody is always relative, um, didn't really get to me as much, although if you know me, I'm definitely a winter runner and I will bitch about the humidity for eternity. Uh, so I'm not looking forward to the weather change to tell you the truth, even though it's been a, a pretty brutal winter over here as well. Yeah. And I can't, I can't take full credit for that line either. I don't know if I mentioned it during that podcast or not, but when I was referencing my friend who, you know, you know who um, was going through certain issues and, and that line actually came from, one of my professors who ended up becoming a close friend when I was in college, a gentleman who now like just won like this crazy book award. His name's oh. T.S.A. Lehman. Cool. I don't know if you know, the, if you've ever heard of the book heavy, it just won so many book awards out there. I think it was like audible book of the year, things like that. Um, I can't recommend it strongly enough. Um, but he was the one who said it about our friend and it was like, it's, it, you know, rang true in it for no other words. And he was like the smartest guy I'd ever met in my life. But then you know, when you hear that, you're like, oh, man, that totally makes sense. And you immediately start putting it on yourself. Like, I wonder if that relates to me in some way, because we're all such egomaniacs. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> no. oh, yeah, yeah, he's going through those issues. But what about me? Is this, how does this relate to my life? Um, and I was like, yeah, I'm probably the same way now that I think about it. But um, <laughs> so so you're going through that time. You know, you're, you're running in the, in the summer. You're changing your plan. You're running so much slower on your easy days. You're doing so much of your work now at an easy pace and then even your workouts seem to be longer distance segments mm -hmm. than you had been doing in the past yeah they i can't really put into words what the mccurdy clan puts you through as far as workouts but um some of the insanity really began for this cycle i can't even really remember what we did for the indie build up and i it did run a half marathon last fall and I don't even remember what we did for that either it was just so much threshold work um the real the real craziness was was probably this cycle for Roxy F training right and we should mention that you 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 did talk about Indy for a second uh, a couple minutes back you kicked ass at Indy man like you've been for a while trying to get that that sub 320 yeah um I think you had hoped you'd you know big hopes for Marine Corps marathon in the previous fall mm -hmm. and then you you know Boston didn't go your way but again no one said PRs at Boston unless they never run a marathon before and then Indy comes up you really have had this strong training cycle you're in a good spot mentally and physically and then you have you know a wonderful PR standing race you run a 313 in Indy yeah. And and when you when you had that race, obviously it was a big day for you. Every PR is, especially in a marathon. But when you had that race, was there some sort of validation attached to that race because because I know you've been working at that goal for so long and now you had just made this major change in your life and then you finally achieved it. The validation, well, to be to be clear, of course, I was thrilled and ecstatic and over the moon about a 12 minute PR in the marathon because who freaking does that? Like that was, that was me. There was like shock there. Um, you don't expect a huge jump like that, but the validation for me was um, going into it, knowing 
that I wasn't going to use a marathon result to define me as a person. Um, and being pretty, you know, resolute about that heading into it made the finish even sweeter because it was so amazing and it was a, a strong race for me. Um, in my in my recap, I you know I did explain it was an off day as far as energy and those days happen to all of us, um, but I was still able to hold strong and that's um, a testament to the fitness that. Um, I gained uh, that cycle and all the workouts that Heather put me through. Yeah. And I think this is a topic that I've talked to other people as well. And it's, it's one of those things where when you have that shift in mindset of like, you come to race day where the race isn't going to be some sort of defining event, Mm -hmm. no matter what I and this is just my own personal thing. I have tried to do that in the past. And then immediately my brain goes to like, you're just trying to give yourself an excuse. Like you're just trying to lighten the load. You're just trying to give yourself an excuse in case things don't go well. Like, again, I'm not putting my issues on you, (laughs) but when you, when you did, you know, this for you, you're approaching the race in a very different way than you had in the past. So how do you prepare yourself to approach the race in that way. And when things got tough, like you just mentioned, it was a low energy day and every marathon is tough for anybody, Mm -hmm. even in the best of circumstances. How did you, how did you fight through the idea of slowing down or quitting? Uh, Not quitting like wholesale walking off the course, but not giving the kind of effort that, you know, you would have regretted after the fact when you approached it with this, this more, um, holistic mindset i would say during um and i i I believe i wrote something like this like the you know i I waited for like the good vibes feeling to really click in and for like the wheels to start turning and it it never did that day um it was just it wasn't it didn't feel bad but it didn't feel great um and it was a neutral thought And that helped keep me a little bit grounded because I wasn't slowing down while I wasn't really ever in a a position to push because I was really hoping to like get into some, um, I wouldn't say sub seven paces in the marathon because I don't know if I was ready for that yet, but I, it would have been pretty awesome. Um, but get to get into like the seven tens, um, and, and into like seven Oh five, which I just wasn't able to get to. Um, but I knew I was, holding steady. And like I said, that was a neutral thought. And I think sometimes we try to force ourselves to be like raw, raw, positive, And that kind of makes us resent things even more. Neutral was a way for me to just, you know, be okay in the moment and just push through. And it wasn't a negative place either. So it all kind of worked together. Um, and I, I kept that with me and that feeling when starting this cycle and really, um, trying to strengthen my, my mental health, uh, even more so, uh, with running, uh, as I approached half marathon training. And how much of cultivating that mindset happens while you're running versus, you know, when you're thinking about running the other, you know. I don't say 23 hours a day, but you sleep. So, you know, the other other 17, 16 hours a day, um, how much of it happens during, you know, in that moment, whether it's easy run or workout versus just like you're approaching your run, you're thinking about it and you're trying to cultivate the right mindset when and if those moments come. I think a lot of it happens in, in the run or in the workout. Um, I, I try my best not to like let running consume my thoughts um outside of it um I just kind of keep it uh in the whole like pre-run during and then like post-run recovery type time and kind of sort through everything then and then once it once it's done um I try to move on and that uh, has been a good routine for me for the last you know six months or so um, it's just letting it, you know, once again, letting it just be running. The moving on part seems to be the key part of that sentence. Yes. Yes. Not dwelling. And I 
don't get me wrong. Like I still will be like, Oh my God, like this workout was terrible, but <sighs> there's always another chance. There really is. It's funny how you, you went right to the negative <laughs> with that comment, because like what I just said, just moving on, it wasn't inherently negative. Right. Right. But I would have done the exact same thing. I would have immediately gone to the negative, but it's also as important to move on from those positive workouts yes. where you're like, I crush it. And all of a sudden you now move this sort of internal bar up or whatever metaphor you want to use of like, not only what I'm capable of doing, but what I should be doing. And then you set this new standard for yourself, which, you know, people can talk all they want about social media comparison trap and not saying that it isn't real. It most certainly is, but I feel like the most insidious comparison could be when we compare ourselves to ourselves because not only is it an apples, a potential, we can view it as an apples to apples comparison, mm -hmm. but like we don't need any prompting. It's just there. It is there. And honestly, like the workouts that I did this cycle versus what I was doing for the Boston um, buildup in 2018, um, they're completely different. But if you look back at some of my paces for 2018, I was actually a lot faster. Um, but this version of myself is a lot stronger and I'm completely fine with that. And that version of, of Laura in that cycle would not have been able to run a 127 and this one can. And so there's different strengths that come forward. And for me, faster didn't necessarily mean better. Um, but that comparison trap, even, you know, comparing yourself to yourself, it, it sucks. It really does. There's no sugarcoating it. Um, and it happens. Um, but, you know, you know, what is the, the term growth isn't linear? And there's just going to be like waves of, of how your, your progress goes. And you have to be okay with the fact that sometimes there's just off seasons um, and that it's just not all going to compare um, com comparatively, I guess the best way to put that. Yeah. It's hard to care about something enough to do this kind of training, but then at the same time, not, not care about it. I know it comes to the results. It's like that juxtaposition <laughs> is so tough. Ew. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, it's like, this whole, it's like, it's like, it's like the whole idea of like fate, right? Yes. Where you're like, Oh, it's fate. Like, I don't have any control, but then like you try to control everything. And I'm not saying like, which, which idea to espouse. I'm just saying it's like, it's really hard <laughs> to hold both of those things in your head at the same time. You, it's, you have to care, but you can't care too much. It's <laughs> right. It's supposedly right. so easy to do, except that it's not at all. Like you, it, there's, there's, it's, just um it's a mess honestly it, i know i'm i'm like i'm a, a helicopter yeah. parent when it comes to my training i'm a helicopter parent on that sucker i need to relax it's it's hard to do though um i i think this cycle i i i'm getting closer i really am and it's 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 exciting well, I think the proof is in the pudding yes. right i mean you're you're running and doing training at a level that you haven't done before mm -hmm. And you're doing it with a mental health, I don't know, I don't know how you classify mental health in terms of like rating it, but I guess you're, you're, you're healthier mentally than you were in the past. Yeah. So the fact that it's not as if there's this one-to-one -one relationship where it's like the harder you work out, the more stressed out you're going to be because of certain expectations or things like that. Like you can, there isn't, there isn't necessarily a causational response or relationship there if you don't want one to be. Exactly. You so, said it well. <laughs> it happens every once in a while. Um, <laughs> so, so going into this race, you were killing it. You were having these wonderful workouts time and time again. You said you, you'd run faster in the past, but you were stringing them together week mm -hmm. after week and running these monster, monster weeks in terms of mileage. So, again, this is, I think, fairly new for you about going into you having a goal race being a half marathon as opposed to a marathon. So what was that like in terms of the cup being a couple weeks out and trying to figure out exactly where you were and starting to set 
goals or picture yourself coming in at a certain time? Um, I really wasn't, you know, the original goal was to go sub 90. Um, and that was a really fluid, uh, time goal because you know you don't really know what that means that could mean anything uh so neither one of us um heather and myself really really knew what uh i was gonna you know aim for until the last like couple weeks before the half um i did gosh this workout uh like 10 days out where I did like 25 minutes at a 6.33 pace and then 10 minutes at 6.29 and then five minutes at like 6.10, I believe. And it, I would never say it felt easy, but it felt manageable. Um, and so you just crazy. set your 5K PR in the middle of a workout <laughs> and then did more workout afterwards. Basically, basically. Uh, yeah, just another one. Uh, but, uh, it became obvious to both of us that at one twenty eight was probably realistic. Um, a one twenty seven was going to happen on a really good day. And the words that are about to come out of my mouth are crazy, but that a one twenty nine meant that I was going to have an, that it was an off day. I knew and she knew that I was in better fitness than that. Um, I had built up a lot of strength and that averaging a 650 pace um, was not what I was capable, like I was capable of more. Right. Which is, which is really, really interesting. When you think about where you were two years ago, even looking at your fall, comparing it from the previous fall, Mm -hmm. you had just run a marathon at the same pace that the previous fall you'd run your half marathon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and here you are running your, here you're sitting a 5k PR in a workout for a half marathon, you <laughs> know, in, in a sense, and then and going out there running another 20 minutes afterwards at another hard pace. Yeah. My, uh, my split from the 10 mile point to the finish during the half marathon was my third fastest 5k um, on Sunday during the race. That's how much fitness I've gained. Um, and I can't say enough about switching gears and maybe taking the focus off of the marathon because I think it, you know, consumes us all. We have to, you know, be all out and run, you know, the longest distance, um, not including ultras, of course. But it, it really helps to switch gears and your, your body will thank you. Um, it just, it helps so much. Uh, I, 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 I just, um, I just exited out of the app. If that just sounded really weird. <laughs> no, it sounds fine. It sounds fine. <laughs> I, I just I had to ruin it at some point. Um, but I'm keeping that in just because <laughs> no, it's classic oh Laura God. Pierce. So I'm definitely keeping it in. Damn it. Please, <laughs> okay. Anyway, where were we at? I'm, I'm rambling at this point. That's that's the whole name of the pod, Laura. No, so so you're you're talking about like how you built up all this fitness, yeah, and you really got to this point where you are like on a whole new level and just taking it, taking a half marathon as your A race for a season, as opposed to a marathon, which was a change for you and that had really kind of elevated your your training or your running in a way. Because I think I'm assuming that it probably changed the way you train. It it did. Um, I think to my earlier statement about not being great at multitasking, um, I tried that the cycle before um, for Indy because we did a half marathon as a tune-up, and I made it a goal race. I wanted it to be sub ninety, and I was genuinely probably in um, shape for like a one twenty nine. Uh, and the day just ended up being hot and humid and miserable. And I posted a very, very fabulous positive split when I hit the wall at about mile seven. So that was super, um, it was positive splits for positive people, Laura. It was not a positive day, Matt. It was, it was miserable. Like my heart just like dropped because once again, I don't have the opportunity to race much. And I also knew I didn't have time to think about a half again because I had to shift gears to marathon training as soon as possible. Um, I think we took like two, 
days off and then the buildup began um, again for Indy. And I like, you know, a week later ran at, um, 18 miles after the half marathon. Like it switched like that. There just wasn't time to think. And so after Indy was done and when everybody um, else was starting to start training for this year's Boston, I just wasn't in it. Um, I knew that I had achieved something really great in Indy. And it was time to let that be my marathon PR for a while. And I was okay with that. Um, I was done chasing for a bit. Yeah. And how hard was that for you? Because you mentioned that, you know, last year you were so excited to just, just to run Boston, Mm -hmm. no matter the circumstances, there was a part of you was like, Hey, just doing this race is just such an awesome feeling. And, And you didn't regret that for a second. So how much, how hard was it for you knowing that you had a chance to go back to just say, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a break. I'm not making Boston a goal race. I was pretty torn um, at first because there's always a little bit of a FOMO there um, as far as like not gaining fitness. And I have some friends who are going to post amazing times in Boston and you feel a little bit left behind. Um, But at the same time, I knew that I was making the right decision for me to go after a really killer half marathon PR and that I realized I've never ran a marathon for fun before. Um, This will be my 10th marathon and every marathon has been about like PRs and let's do a workout in the marathon and stupid, insane things like, like that. And I never have run one for just the hell of it. Like once again, it's just supposed to be running. Like it can, it can be fun. So I'm going to go out and I'm going to have fun. And that's that. That's wonderful. So would you reflect on the past year and then project forward? What are some of the the lessons that, that ring the most true for you that you want to continue on? Um, not just from a running perspective, you know, certainly, certainly that applies, but just from a life perspective that you, you want to make sure that you hold on to and that maybe even impart on others that, like, hey, this is something that, that has worked for you and that might be valuable for them to consider as well. Oh, gosh, that's such a, a deep, loaded question. I was not prepared. Um, well, giving yourself grace is probably one of the hardest things that anybody can do, and it's something that I try to – stick with every single day. I'm not always great at it. Um, but it is something I I need to inject into everything and moving forward. Um, as far as running goes, I, I said it a thousand times throughout this podcast, but it, it just, it continues to just be running and it doesn't have to define you. Um, your success doesn't have to define you. And there's a way to make sure, um, whether it's through therapy or, or just help or just over time, um, that it, it doesn't like, you know, take over everything. Uh, and I, I'm hoping that I can continue that moving forward as well. Um, and then running goals in the future. I mean, I think we all, you know, have goals of getting faster in the marathon for me. It's just about chipping down that time, uh, I'm excited to get back into racing um, this coming fall because I will be doing CIM. All right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've never actually been to California, so I'm pretty excited about that. Um, but I haven't really told a ton of people. So uh, I guess this is Well, you this, just, did, just did, Pierce. And I mean, did. we all know, we all know that's a, a fast course. So it's pretty obvious that uh, I'm going there to race my heart out. And it'll be fun. That's for sure. And let me just tell you, save energy for the expo. It's like going to a family reunion. I'm not kidding. I mean, it every was, race. it was, it was really something else. Like literally I, I'm checking into the hotel <laughs> and uh, the person next to me, they doesn't even look around. Like they're checking in. I'm about to check in and like, Oh, can I help you? So I'm like, yes, I'm here to check. And I haven't gotten all those words had barely left my mouth. The person turns around and goes, Matt, and it was like, you know, one of 300 people I met yeah. that week that like I had known, you know, in, you know, in, in the digital world. And then you come and you meet in the race world. And it was it was really a fantastic experience. 
I don't no idea if I'm going to run a marathon this fall. I, I actually, I shouldn't say that. I'm definitely not running a marathon this fall, <laughs> but I definitely want to go to CIM if for no other reason than just seeing so many wonderful people. And I, I have no doubt that you'll have the same experience. You'll probably have to like come up with like an energy like game plan to make sure you don't like lose all your energy at the expo because you're going to be so excited with all the people you see you're you're not wrong um there's probably going to be like a you get one hour or two to socialize and then just lock yourself (laughs) in like an airbnb or hotel room because you have to save your legs and i made that mistake before boston last year like i walked everywhere and i did all the things and that probably didn't help but um, to your point uh, before, like, I think I, it's starting to feel like every race is like a little mini family reunion at this point. The running community really isn't that big. Um, so there's almost always somebody uh, to see and somebody that you know, and that's really cool. You said it. Laura, thank you so much for coming on. I always love our Yes, talks. thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Talk to you later. See ya. Laura, thank you again for coming on the show. Every time I get a chance to talk to Laura, I always relish the opportunity for all of the reasons that you have just experienced. She's funny. She's fun. She's insightful. And it's just always a wonderful conversation. Big shout out to our sponsors today, Mercury Mile and Megaton Coffee. I trust these guys with, you know, whether it's my running gear or my AM coffee. I trust them equally, and they're my go-tos. So check them out, mercurymile.com and megatoncoffee.com. Thank you so much for sharing the show, for reading and reviewing the episodes. I really appreciate it. I cannot say that enough. Also, go check out our sponsors. If you love the show, that's one of the biggest things you can do, not only because they're here, they're dropping the bag for the podcast. I really appreciate it, but... I have them as sponsors because I love these products. I love these services, and I know you will too. So thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it, and happy running.